Welcome to Global Outpouring, where we contend for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit promised in Joel 2.28, and we equip for the outpouring so that we may engage in the outpouring. I'm Philip Buss. And I'm Sharon Buss. Welcome to our podcast today. The Lord has really put it on our hearts to have a discussion together that we're sharing with you about what is going on between light and darkness. So the book of Isaiah in chapter 60 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord, Jehovah, shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you, and the Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. How does it read in the Passion, Philip? Rise up in splendor and be radiant. For your light has dawned, and Jehovah's glory now streams from you. Look carefully. Darkness blankets the earth, and thick gloom covers the nations. But Jehovah arises upon you, and the brightness of his glory appears over you. Nations will be attracted to your radiant light, and kings to the sunrise, glory of your new day. Amen. That's beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. You know, there's something about sunrise. There's something really special about sunrise. I love sunrise. Uh, and I, I like being up early in the morning, even though I'm, by nature, I'm not really an early bird. I have a tendency to be, to, it's just hard to quit at night, you know? <laughs> but I love getting up early in the morning, even before the sun comes up, even when it's still dark, dark, dark. And, you know, it's very dark, it's just dark. But then all of a sudden, not even suddenly, it's, it's gradual, gradually a little bit of light sort of just grays the darkness at the horizon. And then it just gets a little grayer and a little less dark and a little less dark and a little less dark. And after a while, you start to see a color on the edge of the horizon. It might be golden, it might be orange, it might be rosy, might be magenta, and and sometimes it just paints the clouds in the most glorious colors. I just love God's artistry. He just is such an amazing artist. The things that he paints on the sky for us every single day, and it's never the same twice. It's so glorious. But there's something about that time. And then then when the sun actually does come up, there's a moment. I call it the golden moment. I don't know. It it lasts just a few minutes. Sometimes it's it's very brief. Sometimes it can go on several minutes. And there's this there's this sort of a golden glow that comes on things. And it's sort of a rosy gold. And and it just it's like as the sun begins to paint the landscape golden, there's just this this time and it and it appears at at sunset as well and once in a while it's so glorious it's like it's like you're just in this gold uh, and, and i remember one time one time we were um we were going through a thunderstorm with uh, our our 
found her and her husband, who was a pilot, and we were going through this thunderstorm, and and it was getting pretty rough, and we had to land because we couldn't make it all the way to our destination. I, I don't recommend anybody do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, he was a good pilot, excellent yeah. pilot. And and uh, he just he just knew we couldn't get all the way there, so we stopped short of our destination by just a few miles, but we couldn't quite make it because the storm was there. And we're, while we're sitting on the ground waiting for the storm to pass, as the storm got to the end, this rainbow came across us, and it actually came over the, the end of it came over the plane. And I can understand why they say that there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, because right there at that place, it, everything all of a sudden became golden. Remember? I remember I was trying not to get sick, you know, so <laughs> you remember that better than I do. <laughs> yes, it was a detail that you, that escaped you, I think, at the moment <laughs> because you weren't feeling well because of the rocking that we had been going through. Or some of the others in the back of the plane. Yeah, too. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but anyway, there's this golden time, this golden opportunity, and it's the best time ever to do photography if you're into photography you just get this amazing uh, effect that you know you can do some things in photoshop but it'll never beat what yeah. god does when he paints things gold and when when he like when he paints the clouds magenta um, our, our founder gwen shaw used to talk about revival a lot she was a revivalist and one of the things that she said was that she felt like the color magenta was the color of revival. And so the book that she wrote about revival, It's Time for Revival, and it's available on our website. It's a powerful book. Yeah. The more you read about revival, the more you get revival in you. Yeah. It just stirs you up. Yes, I'm going to pray through for this. She wanted us to use the color magenta on the, on the cover. So that's what we did. And there's something about this color magenta that is related somehow to revival. It's related to a move of God. If you can imagine, you know, sometimes you have to just use your imagination to see what we're saying. Uh, if you can imagine the globe and how one side of the globe is night and one side of the globe is day, and you know that there is this magenta time at sunrise and this magenta time at sunset. But did you ever think about the fact that that is a continuous thing that is always going on somewhere in the world. Mm -hmm. Somewhere in the world, it's sunrise, and somewhere yes. in the world, it's sunset. And so if you can picture it on the globe, imagine it as a magenta band, the color magenta, that, that bright pink. Uh, that, that's, it's like a band that, that follows the path in between the light and the darkness. The darkness is night and the light is day, but there's that twilight time in between. And it's a time where it's a place. It's a place where this coloration comes. And it comes with magenta and it comes with golden and it comes with oranges. Not the fruit. It comes with <laughs> orange colors and, and uh, sometimes purples. But it's a majestic, beautiful place. It's a beautiful place that is constantly going around the world. God is encircling the world with his glory. Mm -hmm. His yeah. glory is there somewhere at, at, at all times, someplace in the world, whether it's morning or whether it's night. So at the transition, 
between darkness and light and between light and darkness in the morning, in the evening, you have this glory time. And I picture it as the move of God, that wherever this transition is going on between light and darkness, there's this, there's this beauty that's going on. And anytime where you have light penetrating the darkness, whether it's the sun, whether it's the moon, whether it's the stars, there's something beautiful about them. There's something beautiful about the glory. There's something beautiful about the contrast between light and darkness. Mm-hmm. And that's what this scripture is talking about, is in spite of how dark things seem, it's time for us to arise. It's time for us to make a difference in the world. Yes. I believe that Adam and Eve, when they were walking with God before the fall, they were, I believe that they were clothed with light. I've always, always understood that. That when, when the glory left them, that's when they realized that they were naked. Yeah. But God had clothed them with light. You know, God made Adam in his image. Yes. And what does it say about God? What's his appearance? He's engulfed. You can't even look at him. Yeah. Because he's, he emanates so much light and glory. Yes. Anybody who has a, had a visitation to the throne says you cannot look at God. You know, you, it's like it'll, you feel you'll be destroyed. Mm-hmm. You just can't. <laughs> it's so brilliant and powerful. Right. And, and remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, yeah. there was Jesus. And all of a sudden, the yeah. transition between light and darkness, between the yeah. earth and, and the eternal, split open so that they could see Jesus the way he really is, yeah. the way he was to begin with, and, and Moses and Elijah came to visit. It's, he couldn't have the disciples come up and shake hands with him. says, I want to introduce you to, <laughs> <laughs> to Elijah and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, because of the glory on them. And they weren't, they weren't walking in that place right. where they could, uh, you know, where, where they could actually handle glory like that. Right. You know, people you've heard of that we know have had heard of, like Stephen Lyda walk into a room where there's this intercession going on and he fell flat on his face in the glory. It was so strong, but he could just handle it, and he, and he was there. But other people walk and fall on the floor, and they crawl out after a while. They couldn't handle, they couldn't handle the yeah. amount of, uh, of glory that was in there. Yeah. And maybe we can compare that to electricity. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can handle a little bit. You know, but when <laughs> like you, you get can a, tuck, you, t- you can touch your tongue to a nine volt. <laughs> to a battery. nine volt, or they're they're doing a tens machine or something. Yeah. On you, and you're putting those electrical jotes. You, you know, can you handle this? Can you handle that? Mm-hmm. But when the glory of God comes, woe is me, I am undone. Right. Like Isaiah said, you know, because the glory is so powerful. Right. And we've, so, we've not seen that, but it's going to happen. Yes, we're, it, we're in process. Yes. It, it's coming. But if, if Adam and Eve were made in the image of God, think about it. God mm-hmm. is a spirit. Yeah. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So uh, I'm, I'm going off of something that I read in Bruce Allen's book. I think it's called Fo- The Foundations of Glory. He was talking about how Adam and Eve were clothed in this glory, but it wasn't just the glory. It was their actual spirit being, which is light, mm-hmm. because we're created in the image of God. If you, if you look at your own blood, 
your own live blood under a microscope. There's a, a thing called a dark field microscope. It's just that, that the, uh, the field that you're looking at is, is dark so that you can see the light. And, and your actual red blood cells have light in them. Yes. And you can tell when, when the cell dies because the light goes out. Yeah. So live blood has light in it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And remember what the scripture says, the life of the flesh is, is in, in the, the blood. blood. Yes. So our life and our, our light in Spanish, when a woman gives birth, the, the expression is dar la luz. It means to give the light. Oh, when the baby okay. is born, it's, you're, you're giving the light. The lights come. And when a, when a baby is conceived, they've discovered that when conception takes place, there's a flash of light. That's when the spirit comes. The spirit comes from God immediately in that moment. Your spirit is your life. Mm -hmm. That's why when, when uh, you bleed to death, once the, once all the blood is gone, you're gone. Yeah. Cause your life is in your blood. Your light is in your blood. Your, your spirit is somehow in your blood. I remember Henry Groover. He Mm -hmm. had a lot of experiences in God. He could walk down a street and he knew if he was by an abortion clinic mm-hmm. because he could hear the cry of the blood coming out of the sewer. Yeah. I mean, that's that's Oof. powerful. So yeah. the life is in the blood. Absolutely. That's why it, abortion is it's murder, is yeah. death. It's you know, true. It's, Absolutely. It's murder. It's murder. So we have this idea of Adam and Eve that they were walking with their spirit on the outside. It was their spirit that was visible. They could see each other, they see each other's spirits, you know? And they had this communion with, this open communion with God, spirit to spirit. But when they chose to disobey the word of God, when they chose to sin, the light, the spirit man, took a dive inside of the flesh. And they realized that they were just naked flesh. It wasn't that they had been naked flesh before. They were clothed in their spirit. And their spirit is light. So that's what God is trying to return us to and cause us to, to rise up and be what Romans eight fourteen says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. And that the whole earth is groaning and travailing until now, waiting for the manifestation of these sons of God. And that word sons refers to mature sons, sons that are old enough and, and, and carrying the character, reflecting the character, operating in the character of their father. Yes. When we are carrying and operating in the character of our Father, we are walking in that maturity that causes His glory, His light to, to shine. And that's what, this, that's what this scripture in Isaiah 60 is all about, is, is encouraging us to rise up and shine. And the word rise there, it's the word that refers to a sunrise. Mm, wow, okay. So you have this sunrise effect when darkness and light collide. Mm-hmm. There's this collision between light and darkness, and that's where the glory appears. You know, in Azusa Street, when the when the move of God was going on there, you know, the Shekinah glory would show up often in the room as a pink cloud, and the children play in the cloud. Yeah, it would just, know, just kind of hang there around the, around the floor. It was just amazing, and, and when this would happen, you know, people would get healed, all kinds of things, and 
And this is something that probably happens, you know, happens in the spirit, but you don't always see it. Mm-hmm. But here it was tangible. Mm-hmm. Everybody saw it. It's like the kids Visible were, and tangible. Were, were playing for it. And I, I don't know of any other uh, move of God since then where that has actually happened, where everybody saw it. But when this next big move comes, we're going to see all kinds of things like we have never seen before. That's true. Relating to the light and the glory. Yes. Yes. Amen. So I'm, I'm thinking about a time when the Lord led us. It was 1993. And the Lord led us to take a prayer journey to Tibet. It wasn't, um, it wasn't, how shall I say this? It was exciting, but it was also terrifying in a way. <laughs> yeah, we, we had no idea what we were getting into. It's true, we didn't. But we had a mandate from the Lord, and that was that we were to go and worship in order to build like a beachhead for God to be able to land there and start doing stuff. Because the Word of God says, that you enter his gates with thanksgiving and you enter into his courts Courts with with praise and that he inhabits the praises of his people. People. And, And so in his presence is this fullness of joy. In his presence is this glory in his presence and, and, we, and the presence comes when we worship. And yes. I'm not just talking about singing. It, and we, we referred to that in our last podcast about the, the eye of the needle. It's not just about singing a song. Yeah. It's about having a connection, connecting with our Father, walking with him, connecting with him. I'm just going to add this here, too, that in Dean Braxton's book, Deep Worship in Heaven, he talks about how he was he was there for a worship event really it was it was something that that all these different things were happening and everything was praising everything was giving glory to the lord even the mountains were were actually like waving Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, it, talk about mountains moving. Yeah. yeah. Mountain moving faith. Yeah. Well, this is mountain moving praise. And, and everything was, everything was involved in, in worshiping the Father. And when it was his turn, the thing that came out of him was this, was this beautiful sound of thanks. He was expressing his thanks, and all of these creatures and all of these people, all these spirits, were were giving their thanks to the Lord. So when we enter in with thanksgiving, thankfulness is not just something that you say. You know, I remember when I was a kid, you know, you get a gift from Grandma, and, okay, you have to write a thank you note. (laughs) (laughs) It was not one of my favorite things to do as a child, but... It was something that I did. We just, it was, it was what we did. And, you know, it's, it's an expression of thanks. My heart probably wasn't in it so very much, but I understand now mm-hmm. that thankfulness is a thing from the heart. Yeah. When you really have gratitude, it changes the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's what happened in Philippi when Paul and Silas were were in the prison there. They were in darkness, okay? Mm -hmm. It was night. It was midnight. And they were in darkness, shut away in a cell. It we've been to the to the place in Philippi where they've excavated and they think that this is where the jail was. Well, it was just like a hole in the ground. Yeah. 
and it was dark in there. But they carried the light into the darkness with their worship. And it made a difference to the point that there was an earthquake. Yes. And all of their chains fell off. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. So when we worship, something happens in the atmosphere. It creates that glory as we're, as we're entering, as we're carrying the light into the darkness. We're making a change in the atmosphere. So that's what we were doing when we went to Tibet. Yeah, you know, it was like Paul and Silas. They heard the Macedonian call. Come over to Macedonia and help us. Mm-hmm. But they didn't know. Paul didn't know that they were going to go to jail. You know, and, and many times when you disembark these shores on a journey somewhere, you don't always know what's going to happen. That's if you have the word of the Lord says go, but had we known what we were running into, you know, we would have maybe not wanted to go. Mm-hmm. You know, because we, we fasted and before we went, probably did a like a like a week or a 10-day fast and yeah, you know, we were at a Bible school in Nepal. We had prayer covering from the from the Bible school students. Twenty four hour coverage. We we were full covered. We thought. We thought, but when you only do what God tells you to do and nothing else, mm-hmm. you know, and then we, it works. Then it works. And we ran. You know, we just ran into stuff. You know that we were not prepared for. Mm-hmm. You know, and and they call it the roof, the rooftop of the world the abode of the gods. Mm-hmm. You know, and the devil always looks for a high place. That's what that's he did right. with Jesus, you know. Right. Yeah, so. And I think really that that's one of the reasons why the devil has such a stronghold on these places. Mm-hmm. I believe that that God has a purpose and a plan for those places that they have not at all realized yet. Mm-hmm. And the, it, it's like when, when Jesus was on his way to set the demoniac free over in the Gadarenes, there was this terrible storm that came up. It's like it was a demonic storm trying to keep Jesus from getting there and taking out this territorial spirit mm-hmm. and a whole legion of spirits and, and disrupting the whole the whole worship of Zeus, you know, and, and all the pigs that they were sacrificing were, <laughs> were drowned, you know. It, 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 that's all he did. He wasn't... He wasn't called to go there and preach. He just told this guy once he was set free, he said, you go tell your people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it changed the territory, just that one thing that Jesus did. Yeah. And and God had a plan for that territory. He wanted that territory set free. And I believe that that's the way it is with some of these nations, in the, especially in the 1040 window. If you don't know what the 1040 window is, it's the distance between 10 degrees north of the equator and 40 degrees north of the equator. It's from Japan in the east to the, mm-hmm. the western tip of Africa. That's the biggest people group of un, uh, unreached. Pe- unreached. Yeah. The greatest number of unreached people are in that 1040 window. And I was just speaking with a young missionary the other day, uh, and he's going to be with us on a podcast soon. And he was saying that many, most of the missionaries that are going to the mission field these days are going to places where there's already missionaries. Wow. Nobody's going to the, very few people are actually going into this dark, dark 1040 window. But it's time yes. because the gross darkness is upon the people and, and it's time for us to arise and shine. So the first time that we went to Tibet it was rough. 
Yeah. And uh, we don't want to really tell any stories about that. But but then yeah, we don't want to discourage anybody <laughs> from going on a mission trip. But this one was a little different. Well, yes. And it was 1993. It's a long time ago. Yeah. But we went with the purpose of building a beachhead. And we did that. And we we redeemed the land. And we scattered a few tracts around and some gospel portions. And Yeah, we were in the temples, Buddhist temples. And mm-hmm. we, were, we were hiding gospels of Mark, you know, behind the idols and under things, <laughs> you know, knowing the monks will find them later. You know, yes, yes, we didn't try getting them directly No, to you people. couldn't, because there were Chinese spies everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah that's and true. Disguised as monks, right. some of them. So. so sometime later, about maybe six years later, uh, some of our team that had gone with us on that trip came to us and said, we really think that we're supposed to go back to Tibet, and we think you're supposed to lead us. <laughs> and Philip and I went... Well, he's not speaking to us. You know? I don't think so. <laughs> of course, that, that was not on our radar screen. No, it certainly wasn't. But, you know, we knew out of the mouth of more than two witnesses because this was most of the team and mm-hmm. all on an individual basis. So we thought, we'll pray into this. So yeah. So we did. That was in, I think that was in July. And it was two weeks later, we're on a drive to the, the great Northwest. Mm-hmm. And our uh, founder was in a car ahead of us. We had walkie-talkies and said, let's pull over this next exit and yeah, take a break, get some ice cream, stretch our legs. And and we pulled the, I pulled the van in, and I look, and I see these familiar-looking colors. And I see a Tibetan furniture store. Have you ever heard of a Tibetan furniture store? I mean, really? I've never, <laughs> and I have never seen one since. Right, right. You know. And I thought that's really unusual, you know. Mm-hmm. So we continue on, and and then we're in our we were in uh, Gwenshaw's uh, cousin's church, and the night before, we went into the church to pray, and we go up to the altar, and the Tibetan flag is over the altar, the real Tibetan flag, not the Chinese flag. Right. And it's a forbidden flag; you can only get it certain places. Mm-hmm. And um, his wife comes out with these little. Um, you know, these little gray uh, booklets in her hand and hands me one. Says, have you ever seen these before? I looked at it. It was the Gospel of Mark in Tibetan. I says, uh, yes, I have. I printed them myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought, wow. You know, that's Confirmation a, that's two a, and three. Pretty good. And then we're, we're in Portland, I believe, uh, about a week later. And we're invited to sit in the pastor's den while we wait. And we sit down, and here's this book called The Tibetans in Ladakh. That's where most of them escaped to yeah. when the Dalai Lama and his people mm-hmm. escaped out of Tibet into northern India. So it's controlled by India, but China wants it. Oh, yeah. Because China has Tibet at the moment, you know. Sure. So that was, that was confirmation four. Yeah. And then we came, um, we came home, and we have an old, it's a 1984 uh, Toyota Land Cruiser. It's our family car. Our family car. And we saw these all over Tibet. I mean, they're, in, you know, they're all over Tibet. That's what they use. And, and I ordered some parts from an outfit in California. And when they came in, they had this big catalog in it. And on the cover was a picture of a Toyota Land Cruiser crossing the Tibet-Nepali border, which we would do. Yeah. Because we, we flew into Lhasa and we would drive out. Yeah. And, I mean, that was a pretty strong confirmation. And when we did go, you know, we stayed in the hotel we stayed in, had a Land Cruiser just like ours, mm-hmm. same color and everything, right out in front of the hotel, like saying, welcome, 
to Tibet. <laughs> welcome home. <laughs> welcome, welcome back. <laughs> yes. And we enjoyed that trip. Yes. Because there are so many groups have gone since we were there. Right. All doing what God told them to do. And little by little, it was breaking the strongholds. And it's even like the children of Israel, when they went into the promised land, the Lord um, told them, Moses, I'm not going to give it to you all at one time, mm-hmm. lest you not be able to maintain it. Right. But a little bit at a time. Right. And I feel that's kind of the same way that happened on this trip. Yes. And when what I felt in the spirit was that as as we got there the second time, it was so obvious that it wasn't as dark in the spirit as it had been the first time seven years earlier. Yeah, you could tell and feel the difference. You really could feel the difference. You know, we were probably among some of the first. I know that there were many groups that went and, and did prayer journeys and and I, I don't know all of them. I, I, don't, I really don't know any of them. I really don't know how many went, but we know that, that people were doing their job mm-hmm. confronting the darkness yeah. and transitioning it from darkness to light. And so that's, that's what this is all about, is this transition between light and darkness. Yeah. I did want to mention, though, when we did go back the following June, it was like, 11 months later, we did not have the same team. We only had a few that were from the original team. Yeah. But it was all of them that said the Lord is speaking to us to go back to Tibet (laughs) to make it sound sound real. (laughs) Well, God just used that saying this is real. Everybody, you know, but that was just part of the bait on the hook. God did it. God did it. So we have engaged in that kind of a, a dark dark place. Yes. We just want you to know that it's time for you to arise and shine. Your light has come. And as we begin to walk with God, as we walk with our Father in communion the way Adam and Eve did, it's not about how many minutes you spend reading your Bible or how many hours or minutes that you spend praying or or how many chapters you read a day. It's about communing with him. It's about a reality of relationship that causes his light to be able to shine through you, his character to shine through you, his Holy Spirit operating in you with the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit that gives the authority as you speak the word of the Lord, as you begin to operate in the power gifts. If you don't have the fruit of the power gifts aren't going to really impress anybody. Mm. It's about walking in his character so that when you bring the word of the Lord, when you bring that, that message in tongues, when you lay hands on the sick and they're healed, when you raise the dead, all of these things are happening because of the power that is working in you as you yield yourself to him. So as we yield all those little dark places in us, (laughs) As we let his light come into us, we become lighter and lighter and lighter. We can make a quality choice to put our spirit out in front. Mm-hmm. That we walk in the spirit, that we're, we're aware in the spirit instead of just being aware of things in the flesh. Just back your flesh up <laughs> and let your, let your spirit come forward and arise and shine for your light is come. Amen. Amen. 
If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the podcasting platform suggest this podcast to other listeners who are also looking for a great move of the Holy Spirit. Check out our website at globaloutpouring.org to find out more information, read our blogs, connect with us, and donate. You can also browse our web store for life-changing anointed books. Until next time, this is Sharon Buss. And I'm Philip Buss. God bless you with his overwhelming, loving presence.